Hello, WCP Podcast listeners. Today is Thursday, May 12th. It's 10.40 a.m., and this is your host, Julia G. Today, we're kicking off Asian American Pacific Islander Month, a.k.a. AAPI Month, with a new arc of Tea Time with Ben and Julia. So, just a little disclaimer and a little bit of an explanation We're starting off a new arc that we are lovingly deeming the model minority arc. So this will be a compilation of roughly four episodes exploring the model minority myth and exploring our own identities as Asian Americans and our complicated relationship with this concept of model minority. So Ben, do you want to kick it off and define model minority for our listeners? Absolutely. Thanks, Julia. And okay, so a model minority is a minority demographic whose numbers are perceived as achieving a higher degree of socioeconomic success than the population average, thus serving as a reference group to outgroups. And this is like the first sentence when you Google model minority and you click on the Wikipedia page, right? We are like deliberately not choosing, I think, what you could would maybe consider a more credible definition because to us it's really a working definition, right? Um, model minority is something that we grew up with, something that's internalized within us, something that we see as being pervasive in how we move through life. And so starting off with a definition that is maybe concrete, I don't think, I, I don't think at least I would not find that useful. So having a definition where you get the general gist of like, this is a group, they are met, uh, they are deliberately displayed to be better than other groups, to serve as a reference um, to out or other other groups, right? Um, maybe to the detriment of all groups. So that's kind of like the angle, the perspective that we're approaching this with. And to break into this model minority myth, we're going to start off with the American dream. Now, the American dream is, <laughs> there's a lot of things I can say about that, but I think in the next maybe 20 minutes or so, Julia and I are going to discuss how the American dream um, play out in our lives, what it means to us currently, and how I think at least um, we are unlearning it, right, or seeing where it pops up in our families, and our relatives, um, and our communities. So, Julia, do you want to start off with your um, experience with the American dream or should I? Yeah, I'd be happy to start off with my experience of the American dream. So, of course, we don't want to give a concrete definition because in this case, the American dream resonates differently with everybody. And that's that's something that we don't want to put a textbook definition to. So for me, growing up, my parents kind of Well, my parents immigrated to the U.S. from China roughly 30 years ago now, more or less so 30 years ago, um, in quote unquote search of a better life. So like when I was young, I'd always ask my parents like, hey, why did you come to the U.S.? Like, why didn't we stay in China? And they always, always tell me the same thing to give you and your brother a better life. And that's interesting because that that quote alone kind of positions the U.S. and China 
in a very interesting way. It, it positions the U.S. as being inherently better than China, places China on a lower kind of positionality. So what does that mean? Like in search of a better life. So for my mom, she def defined like a better life as being able to obtain a better education. So my mom came to the U.S. to attend college in Mississippi and North Dakota. And in my parents' mind, like even now, they always tell me like education is the key to a better life, to a successful life. And I think successful, like let's just define that. What is success, right? In, in my parents, in my family's eyes, I think success is like wealth, of course, right? Being able to buy a home, being able to buy a car, um, having like a happy family, being healthy. That is ultimately like the American dream for my parents is to come to the U.S., obtain a good education, work hard and live, live a life that is happy and filled with family and wealth, basically. So so for me, that's what I think of when I think of the American dream. Ben, do you want to go ahead with your thoughts on the American dream? Yeah, I mean, a lot of similar notes uh, right here. Right? Like my, my family and I immigrated when I was seven in search of economic uh, opportunities and educational opportunities, which I think is a very common uh, motif among immigrant families in, the, in coming to America and chasing that dream of like making it right because you you're in a new country you're starting from scratch like you spend so many years in survival mode of like gotta get a place to sleep gotta get my kids into schools gotta like set up their their futures you know gotta get a house gotta get a car gotta get language skills like my parents were in survival mode for a very long time and security to find a lot of um, what they wanted for themselves and what they wanted for me, which is your financial security. Right? I think that's like the biggest thing, um, touching on what Julia was saying before. Do you have the money to take care of yourself and your family? And they always wanted me to be in a position where the answer is comfortably yes. So that's like the American, um, that's like the American dream for my parents. And it's really interesting because I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that my parents are cognizant of the American dream. Like they would never call it like the American dream. They would just be like, I need to live in this country <laughs> and I want my children to succeed in this country. But me and my sister, you know, growing up with um, the, the first American dream thrown around what is meant to be, what is supposed to be. Um, you can't help but think about it in a race context as well. So me being educated, going to college, doing a bunch of stuff with CP, like I started to see the American dream um, being connected to whiteness, specifically is chasing whiteness, right? The things that we want to achieve, the things that I was told that I should be achieving or have um, are things that white people in America have. They got, they got a mortgage, probably multiple, a car, again, multiple, um, a family, intergenerational wealth, things that will set them up and future generations up, right? Um, and those are all things that my family want for me, for better or worse. It's been a lot, um, I've seen as being racialized. So how does that 
How does that make you feel, Julia? <laughs> kind of like being, being, chasing this, this illusion of success, of, of what success is like in America is what white people have. You know, like, I, like, as I grow older, I also, I feel the same way. Like, it's something that I have become, like, increase, increasingly cognizant of as well, Ben. Like, success is often where white people are. And in chasing the American dream, like, the American dream is very white, in my opinion. Like, well, yeah, like, once you, like, like, okay, let's take a look, like, at Seattle, okay, for example, that's, that's, like, what I'm familiar with, like, Seattle, you, you want to get a nice house, right, and if you want to get a nice house, you look at the nice neighborhoods, and let's, let's, let's break this down, what are the nice neighborhoods in Seattle, it's Laurelhurst, it's Sandpoint, it's Ballard, um, it's West Seattle. And if you look at the demographics of a lot of these neighborhoods, they're predominantly white neighborhoods. But these are places where, you know, the nice houses exist. Right. And that's 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 the dream to have a nice house in a nice neighborhood. And for me, like as I start to grasp and make sense of the things that I want to achieve and start seeing more success in my life, I find myself increasingly involved in more white spaces and it it sounds Mm -hmm. kind of like weird in a way but like I I, okay here's here's a very like interesting example so like growing up I went to predominantly like white elementary school and um I was like one of two Asian kids in my 30-person class right and I remember like all my, all my white friends would bring like really tasty snacks. They had this thing called like, what was it? It was like pop nuts or something. And I'd be like, Hey, like, where do you buy that? Like, I don't, I don't see that at my grocery store. And they'd be like, Oh, you know, I bought it from Metropolitan Market. And like growing up, the grocery stores that I had access to was like Chinatown, the, the like Via Hua or, um, Wajimaya or like, the QFC down the road or Safeway. Um, and like now, like now that I'm older and like I have like some more financial means and I have the freedom to choose like where I go, I end up finding myself shopping at PCC and Metropolitan Market where a lot of white families end up shopping. And like I, when I go into those grocery stores, I'm like, yeah, like I, I'm successful. I can afford these expensive, gro- expensive groceries. Like, yeah, I, I've kind of made it now. But it's kind of like in the same in the same like kind of sick way. It's like I find myself leaving like spaces of POC people and entering white spaces, and somehow I feel better because I'm more successful. And that is yeah. There's definitely a racial tone to that, right? Yeah, and it's a little bit weird because like I inexplicably feel guilty when I know I shouldn't because like thinking about it, um. Like, my sister wants uh, a penthouse apartment. Like, she wants to live in one of those high-rises you see in downtown Seattle. She, my dad, wants <laughs> to retire in Bellevue. So he's like, you know, I wouldn't mind, like, a like a little house or, like, a big house with, like, garage space. Like, he, he wouldn't mind retiring in Bellevue. Um, 
And here's the thing, though. We shouldn't, I don't think we should feel bad for, for our success, right? We shouldn't feel bad for wanting good things mm-hmm. and maybe better things in our future. Um, however, in a, it's kind of it's kind of shitty that all of those good things are so racialized. So it's not that like. So is it that like we are chasing success um, and that's a bad thing, or is it that all of those good things and that success has predominantly been what white people have been achieving historically, mm-hmm. and there has been like intentional designs and policies to prevent non-white people from achieving those same things right because i think those are two very different conversations and maybe i'm just like rationalizing my way through my guilt (laughs) (laughs) i feel like this is something like you know we're going to explore further in our arc um julia and i are by no means experts beyond our lived experiences and if you've listened to our previous podcast we try to figure out how to deal with the problems that we have Right. And this is one way of doing it. Um, so I think here's like, here's like kind of like where my perspective is right now. Mm-hmm. If the American dream is chasing whiteness, this almost impossible, illusory standard that someone paints, you know, um, then the model minority myth is in a way a reflection of our, of our, and when I say our, I mean Asian American proximity to whiteness like you have the asian american group being elevated i think artificially by design elevated um in our proximity to whiteness which is implicitly at the top of whatever hierarchy that we have in society so those two things to me are incredibly linked um although playing out in different ways at the end of the day, though, uh, they both have whiteness as the standard. Ooh, mic drop. That, that, I think you said it perfectly. Like, the standard for the American dream, the standard for success in the model minority framework is whiteness. Yeah, I think they are very much linked. And I, I think, like, like, let's dive into this, like, a little bit more, like, what is so dangerous about the model minority myth is saying that a certain subset of the population, in this case, Asian Americans, are somehow more able to achieve success slash the American dream, are more capable of achieving success slash the American dream, in this case, and I think like that is a dangerous, well, that's, that's dangerous to say because yeah. at the end of the day, like all of these groups of like BIPOC communities or low income communities, like we're just measuring ourselves up against like what the white folks have. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Continue. Like, I think just like having the model minority myth is a, just another way of weaponizing POC against each other in our like in our fight for decent food decent housing decent income Uh yeah i think one of like and 
I definitely want to explore this a little bit more. But I think there's like a, a certain like maliciousness, maybe, um, in the attempt to allow Asian Americans to achieve that American dream easier than other groups. Like I'm thinking specifically um, of how, like in my experience, right, higher education. You go to UW as white people and Asian people, like, <laughs> like that's it. And I think across the board, um, you see representation-wise very little groups of um, very little representation of other non-white groups. And what does that mean, right? What does that mean when we are allowed to be to like to have higher achievement than other groups of color? Um, I think that that's what makes it a little bit hard in my own journey of doing activism. Like, where do I stand mm. in this race conversation in America? Um, so, so there's that. Um, probably we'll talk more in our leader sessions. Um, I, I just want to make one thing really clear right now. When we say Asian American, we mean that as a very, very, very broad label. I think there's a sense of solidarity and shared identity um, in Asian American as a lived experience in America. But between Julie and I, there's like so many differences, right? Between me and Marcy, even. Like we're both Southeast Asian, but like hot dang. <laughs> like the difference only, you know, goes so far. So be very careful, you know, when we're talking about the model minority myth to say Asian American, because outside of Asian American, the model minority myth that's true. But within Asian American, there's so many variations and differences that I don't think can be encapsulated by the label at all. Um, so a little bit of disclaimer there moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a good disclaimer to have. Like, I feel like Asian American can be like a useful way of categorizing people in some cases where it's like we have this shared racial identity racial experience but on a real individual personal scale like i think people within this group are totally different so yeah um but yeah where do we we always like to kind of think about this in terms of like where do we go from here like for me and ben like we we don't mm -hmm. like to just talk about things and just be like, dang, that sucks. <laughs> Let's move on with our day. Like, Ben, how do we process this, this, the American dream? And how do we think about this moving forward? That's a really good question. Because, like, I've been thinking about, like, how to address it, specifically in our communities, mm. um, like the Asian American community and specifically the Vietnamese community is um is challenging that idea of success so and what does that mean right like i am not following the traditional um, route to success that my family would have liked me to do which is either stem or business <laughs> um not there guys going into public servant mode which is <laughs> not what they want <laughs> um but but my sister does want to go into business. So allowing her the space to take that um, and to be like, this is my choice and not something that like my community said that I have to do, right? Mm -hmm. Or something that I have internalized from the American dream. On the other hand, 
um, also speaking against my my relatives, really, in um, to support my my cousins because there's this expectation that like you should go to a four year college, you should you should you know it's like a one straight shot from education to education to internship to job to career, mm-hmm. and you know my cousins they're either not built for that or they don't want that. So in family gatherings when I can feel the pressure mounting inside of them. Like, I felt like it was my responsibility to step in and kind of diffuse it, right? Either to distract what was going on or to even, like, afterwards talk to my cousins one-on-one and be like, hey, what do you actually want to do? And how do I help you, you know, with the experiences that I have? So that's how I've been thinking about it. You know, start small. Mm. <laughs> start small, start where you are. And and then we'll go from there, I think. Yeah. No, I think definitely like redefining what success means and looks like and how you can get there is very important. Um, Because I think right now, like the way that my family and I see success is very materialistic. It's very capitalist. Like, (laughs) oh, what what do you do after you get a house and a car? Like, are you happy forever? I don't think so. Right. So rethinking success in that way, like hey maybe you know instead of like a grind all day kind of get money life maybe let's romanticize a slower life where you prioritize your health and your mental health and take care of yourself and take the time to see your families and friends maybe that's the american dream you know a slow life surrounded by love you know um and i think i think another point that you touched on that i've like kind of uncovered in this podcast is like there's there's nothing wrong with wanting better for yourself whatever that better means like you shouldn't like i shouldn't feel guilty going to a quality grocery store with amazing produce (laughs) um like in fact like that should be something that is accessible to everyone you know like not just the asians and the white people but hey you know black and brown communities deserve a pcc maybe south seattle needs a metropolitan market too like let's make success more accessible as well and 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 for like those of like those people from like white communities as well like you shouldn't feel guilty for having good things like everyone deserves to have quality housing quality food quality water, maybe in like contentious political times, like right now, like maybe that's a hot take, but like, don't feel guilty about having nice things. Just help other people get those nice things as well. That's, that's how I feel. Yeah. Well said, Julia. Yeah. And I think that's a good end on. Um, remember this is only episode one. We still got a whole arc to go through. Let's go. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in today. Ben and I, we we love you all. And thank you so much for always supporting our podcast. And we'll see you in the next.